Welcome, welcome, welcome to Critical Thinking. It's Lagos Talks 91.3. My name is Michelle Ago. Joining me on the show today is, guess who? Zeal. <laughs> no surprise. Hi, Zeal. Welcome. Hi, Michelle. Good evening. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. That's good. Good. Yes. What do you have for us today? I don't know. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> sure, I don't know. Yes, you do. Uh, no. Well, it's election season, so I'm going to talk about election. Oh, yeah, campaign starts in what? Six days? Uh, I'm wondering, I've been I, doing countdown. I'm wondering what is going to change from what has already been happening. I don't know, I'm a little f- anxious about this one. But this period... Is there any... Are there... Sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, you said you're really, really calm about it. Yeah. Are you mostly calm me. with things? You're going to ask me something. Is there anyone? Is there any... Anyway, don't worry. Just go on. I'm very calm about it. I'm calm about this one. The same way I'm calmest when I'm in a play. Why? Why are you calm when you... I mean... You don't have a choice. Absolutely nothing. It's in a plane, nothing. There's nothing. As I can't fly the plane, I can't jump out of the plane, I can't advise the pilot. I can't. I'm just there. It's going to fall. It will fall. (laughs) You know what I mean? In a car, there's always this should I jump out? I can drive. There's always that feeling of there is maybe I. Find your way. Do you understand? In a plane, nothing. Absolutely, totally, utterly. I don't have parachute. Pilot does not have parachute. I fly the plane. I cannot do. So I'm very calm, knowing that whatever will happen will happen with or without my input. So yeah, I'm very calm. Well, you're gonna vote, right? I intend to. Okay. <laughs> I have every intention. Okay. No idea who I'm voting for. Well, you're gonna vote. Yeah. Okay. I don't know who I'm gonna vote for. <laughs> Which is a common problem with that. Well, anyways, yeah. I have my reasons. I'm not both hands and my neck. Alright, it's It's fine. Yes. So what are we talking about today? Zee? I want to talk about something that happens during elections. Oh, what is that? Hypocrisy. Uh-oh. From <laughs> who? The candidates or the people? Everywhere. Everybody, you mean? Everywhere. Not even talk- the candidates, no. I don't want to talk about the candidates because by the definition of elections campaign they have to say a lot of things they don't mean they don't believe so i'm not even bothering about that my concern is you know like i say once in a while if someone lies to you you, the person has to have more information about that thing or that event to be able to successfully lie to you Mm. and so if you don't want the person to lie to you about it you have to be equally informed. That's it. So the candidates, by definition of campaigns and definition of campaigns and the combination of the very poor intellectual capacity of Nigerians and our low educational st- standards and our short-term thinking and all of that, they are going to tell us the things that we want to hear in the short run. Mm. And that's it. And we're not going to interrogate it. We're just going to hook, line, and sinker it. But more on the other side about those who are supporting 
different candidates and campaigning on behalf of their chosen candidates mm-hmm. yes we're going to find a lot of people say and do things that are extremely or rather that would seem extremely hypocritical okay yes tell us about these hypocritical traits or behaviors or speeches who is it who first of all what is hypocritical to you, you? say one thing you mean something else you don't do as i do do as i say kind of thing when your behavior and when your behavior and your words are contradictory when your intentions and your behavior are contradictory deliberately then if you say the person is hypocritical um so i i became very lenient to people that are hypocritical the same way i became very lenient to people that lie i'm not saying i like either of the two but when you understand why people lie and we've discussed that on one of the shows in the past um you start to see that many people many of us are extremely judgmental so once somebody does something we do not agree with the whole idea of understanding the reason behind it goes out of the window we just want to conclude it's bad it's bad period you should never have done it i don't support it that's it you're a bad person i'm like no but there's there's a reason for it i'm not saying there's a good reason i'm not saying there's a bad reason but there's a reason why the person did something like that and the moment you understand the reason then it gives you significantly more latitude to be able to decipher whether or not that action was warranted but when you're judgmental it's bad it's bad you move on so when you study why people lie and i think we said there are three reasons why people lie three or four reasons generally they are afraid of something they are trying to protect you from something they don't know or they want to get an advantage it's one of those reasons largely yeah uh, sometimes people lie to you to protect you. Sometimes people lie because they don't know better. They don't know what the truth is. And so they are telling you what they think, but they are stating it as fact. So when you understand, okay, there are some reasons people will lie that's not even, what's the word, um, antagonistic or anything like that. It's just, it just happened. Uh, it's the same way I started to study people that were hypocritical. Because especially on social media, Somebody tweets something today and tweets the exact opposite tomorrow. And you're thinking, is this person okay? How can you be saying two, two opposite, yeah. completely opposite things? I mean, and when you sometimes draw it to their attention, they make excuses. And we often like to, the same thing we lie, very judgmental human beings that we are, we conclude he's a liar, he's a fool, he's an idiot. He's, you know, we just conclude. And, but I'm like, there has to be a reason. If it doesn't, yeah, yeah, there has to be a reason. You can't. I mean, somebody tweeted. I won't mention the person's name. Tweeted two opposite things today, today, today. On one occasion, on one tweet, he talks about how. Well, let me not. Let me rephrase it in a way that makes some sense, so that I make my point. He talked down on educational qualifications in one tweet, and discount and said somebody's educational qualifications were a disadvantage in another tweet. I'm thinking, but these two tweets on the same day are opposites easy to say oh he's a hypocrite because he likes the person and he doesn't like this person and all of that but that's not really the reason that may not be the reason. i have a question yes ask it has nothing to do with what you're saying <laughs> ask okay is there a difference to you between culture and trends and and which is more influential 
I'm sorry, that came out of nowhere. I know. I'll answer it, don't worry. Yeah. I'll answer it. I'll come back to it and answer it. So, back to the hypocrisy. Okay. Now, why are people hypocritical? There is something in psychology called cognitive dissonance. It's really important. And what's cognitive dissonance? It's um, when somebody is acting in a way that's contradictory to what they believe, a.k.a. hypocrisy, <laughs> right? But, but there is a psychological reason why. So one of the reasons for it, and again, well, before that, people that exhibit cognitive dissonance are usually uncomfortable with themselves. So, for example, somebody tells you, oh, I don't like, um, let's pick something, I don't like eating out. It shows that you're badly brought up if you're always eating out, mm. right? And he's grown up with that belief, yeah? Then he's, he goes out for a party with his friends, and they're all eating out. And you're asking him, why are you eating out? Then he starts to make excuses. Oh, no, no, it's not that, it's just that. And I, but you said on any you generalized, yeah. you've generalized it, so why are you doing it? And then... Is at that point, the person starts to feel either shame or embarrassment, and the person will start to be extremely defensive. defensive. Yes. yes, is the person being hypocritical? No, the person is just exhibiting a behavior that's contrary to their core belief. It's called cognitive dissonance. It happens a lot. It happens a lot in societies where you have, especially in childhood, forced compliance. Forced. Yes, when you force a child to comply with an instruction and they have no idea why. And so they grow up with the compliance without believing it. So when you interrogate what they believe, it is at one extreme to what they do because you force them to comply. So for example, you force a child every single Sunday to go to church. Has no idea why. Because I used to ask, how are we going to church on Sunday? Why can't I go on Saturday or Monday or Friday? There was really no cogent reason. People say the Sabbath used to be Saturday. I say, yeah, well, Sabbath was Saturday. The Bible talks about Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath. So why aren't we doing Saturday instead of Sunday? Oh, because one reason I heard once was I think it was Easter. I was like, Easter, Sunday. I'm like, yeah, but didn't Jesus rise on Monday? They said no, he rose on Sunday. And I but Friday to Sunday is not three days. Nothing made sense, but hey, guess what? Whether it makes sense or not, you see that Sunday, you go to church like that. <laughs> so that's an example of where you are forced to comply with something even though you don't understand it. Um, so in a society, when you are forced to comply with laws, for example, um, and those laws make no sense. I mean, I went somewhere today, I'll mention where, and they asked one group of people to wear masks, mm-hmm and another group not to wear masks. I won't, I won't tell you which group, because so you know which group, you know where I went. And I asked, but it doesn't make sense. We're all going to the same place, coming from the same place. Why does one set have to wear masks and the other set should not? And they said, because of COVID. I'm like, how do you know the people you've told not to wear masks don't have COVID? Or, I mean, how does it work? And the person that I asked, who was supposed to be, have some idea. Guess what the person told me? He said, I don't know. That's just what they told us to tell you. So you're forcing people to comply with something they don't believe in. When I went in, most people in the group I was in supposed to wear masks were wearing masks. And I was asking each of them, why are you wearing masks? And they said, uh, we were told to. Do you believe it does anything? No, but they told us to. And you see, that's what forced compliance does. When they leave there, guess what? They're going to remove the mask. 
all the while they are wearing the mask, they are going to be a bit uncomfortable because they don't really believe it. Same thing happens during election period. Mm-hmm. Somebody wakes up and says, I think having leaders that are very old is not good for our country. And that's what he believes. And he says he's been very vocal about it and he gives you the reasons and all that. And then the next day you see him supporting a candidate that is very old. And you're not asking, Uncle, <laughs> you were yesterday, you said. And then at that point, between shame, embarrassment, defensiveness, you, and we've spoken about the nature of anger, right? Sometimes it, they come across as angry. You've just exposed the vulnerability of theirs. You've exposed to them that we tend to think it's hypocritical and the behavior is indeed hypocritical but it's a psychological defect it's called cognitive dissonance you believe one thing but for whatever reason you are forced to comply with something else or you're told oh we can't have we can't elect a leader from this area and you give all the reasons no it is not the turn of this area we cannot do this we, this is not the area we support blah 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 then the candidates come out and then your preferred candidate is from the area you said you will not support. Mm. What do you now do? You're now supporting the candidate when your core belief system is that that's not the area that should lead. You know? Mm. And so a lot of... So you're going to find a lot of people speaking from both sides of their mouth. That's what we call it. It's, now, why this is important for election and why I brought in the issue of compliance is that I believe that generally if you have a society where you are forced to comply with things that make no sense. Over generations, what tends to happen is a very strong spirit of comp- no, let me not say spirit. A very strong ideology of compliance goes through the people mm-hmm. when there is no agreement with what they are complying with. And so people are not, con- they don't have conviction in what they are doing. And so at the slightest opportunity to break compliance, guess what? Wow. They break it. So at the end of the day, you have a group of people doing a lot of things that they don't agree with, that they don't believe in. But now, so they say, make we do them. And they're just doing it. And so the day one person breaks ranks, everybody. And so that's why our society comes across as chaotic sometimes because we're asked to comply with things that really make no sense a lot of the times. So I've gone this far so I can answer your question. Trends and culture. When people do things over a long period of time and it becomes a habit and it's just what they do as a group of people, we tend to call that habit when it's collective and consistent. We call it culture. The thing with culture is that it is driven by compliance. And more often than not, that compliance does not have reason. And so, for example, if I'm a Yoruba man and I meet an elderly Yoruba person, I will greet him, I will double it. If you ask them, why? Why do you have to lay yourself down on the ground? You'll probably hear it's our culture. Mm-hmm. It's what we do. Yeah, mm-hmm. but every culture has an underlying reason. But over generations, the moment you stop explaining the reason, people just comply. 
And then the issue is when the reason for compliance no longer exists, they don't know. And so people are now complying to a non-existential issue. It's very common in culture. It's very common in religion. Why do we do this? We've just, it's just what we're told to do and so we comply. A trend is like short-term culture. Okay. Like a fad. It's like, you know, it's happening now. Everybody's it's temporary. Doing it now. It's temp- well, I won't say temporary because if a trend persists, it can become culture. But for now, before it becomes culture, before it has, um, it has longevity, it's a trend. It's just, we're doing it now. So it, it's a trend to, for now, for example, it's among young people, young men especially, it's a trend for now to do funny things with their hair. Mm. When I was that age, it was not, it was not culture. It, a few people, it trended, but it came, it went. Now it has come back. Will it come and stay? So if it stays for a period, let's say a generation, and everybody just assumes, it you might know be what? a culture. This is how we do our hair as men in Nigeria. Then it becomes culture. You know? But for now, it's a trend. I asked this question because you were talking about Twitter, before tweeting something and meaning something else or doing something else. I saw a tweet about people sharing their first date experience and someone made an observation sorry just that's right, that's random right. random you know social I can't remember stuff. my first date and I'm like I can't <laughs> okay, what did I say first date worst dates oh worst dates worst dates I remember that <laughs> so people were sharing different experiences and someone made an observation said and he said why exactly is it that all of these bad dates or dates or dates or dates are all restaurants based what is wrong with Nigerians? You know, just an observation. And I actually read through the tweets and I was, I was looking at it with that eye and I couldn't help but observe that, oh, when my food came, this is what he did. When my food came, this is what she did. Food, 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 food. <laughs> <laughs> food everywhere. And I did ask because they were like, oh my God, Nigerian girls are so, you know, they were being demeaning. So, but I asked and I wondered, is it like a culture thing? Is it a trendy thing? Is it just because of the lack of options? I mean, in other countries where they drink loads of coffee, they go to coffee shops. It'll never work here. You know, um, I would not leave my house for that because I wasn't raised drinking coffee. So I will not go out to drink coffee with anybody, you know. But, but people do not see things that way. They do not, you know, they do not, when they compare, they do not bring in culture as the baseline for these things. For, you know, as culture as the enabler of these things, they just talk on the surface and just make blank. You know, but yeah, that that was why I was asking. I don't know if it's a trend or if it was a culture, but I think it's a culture. It's moving uh, <laughs> our culture. We, I I think that when you talk about first dates, worst anyone worst dates. Okay, okay. Let's say when you talk about dates generally, you have to also put into context. Um, what we mean when we say a date. So, for example, a guy and a girl go on a date. First of all, there is this language we use that you are going on a date. Mm. Going is a verb. It implies that your date requires both of you to exit somewhere and and be somewhere. Be somewhere. Yeah. So, now, that's the implication of our understanding of a date. So, where is that be somewhere? Um, where are the places you can go on dates? First place I would think would be food. Why? Go and eat. Where, or 
go and watch a movie mm. or i don't know that people go on dates to the beach so we'll use a different language if it was a beach or a party or a club we'll probably say we're going to hang out we're going so a different verb from date when you say date it almost always implies two of you having alone time by yourselves where can that be party not likely beach not likely movie maybe maybe not maybe maybe not but restaurant we're by ourselves i don't think anybody's gonna say let's go on a date okay let's sit in my car and drive to where there's the most traffic and we'll just be alone in the car that would not be called a date <laughs> right so generally i think we interpret this to mean going out to eat I don't know why, but just where else would they date be? I don't know where else would they date be. I don't know. Let's go on a date. Where? Where? Where would you go on a date? Why does it have to be a restaurant? Yeah. So where would you go instead of a restaurant? And a movie. Where? Go karting. Where? Please go karting. That you will go for. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's an activity. You can yeah. go bowling. Where? So they bowl in Lagos right now. Huh? You do not know? I do not know. Okay, I'll the tell you later. I, the only place I know they close it down. No, it's very much where I know is very much open and very functional. So how many places are there to go bowling that, that you know of? That's the only place I know. How many places are there to go eating that you know of? Oh, loads of Exactly. Places. So on a probability basis, where do you think people will end up? You probably have a thousand places to go and eat and one place to go and bowl. <laughs> so I think people just use dating and eating, going to a restaurant synonymously. I'm not saying it must be. But if that's the case, then you say, where's your worst date? I would think, where's the worst place I went to eat? And that's how the word will get uh, substituted in your mind. That's what I think, again. But br- going back to that, um, I had a discussion a couple of days ago. And uh, again, because it's election, I need to put this out there. It has to do with polls. There are loads and loads and loads of polls that are going to come out that will show all sorts of data. And I had a discussion with a couple of people on a poll that came out. And fortunately for me, my first degree, well, my undergraduate degree was in something extremely statistical. So we did a lot on the methodologies around gathering data, interpreting data, and doing polls. And I told the person that if you take any poll, one of the first thi- the first thing I look at, even before I look at the results, is the methodology. And any poll that is credible always publishes the methodology. You can read it and they tell you, this is what we did, this is how we did it, this was the sample size, this was the method of gathering. They tell you it was phone, it was internet. It's always there. The moment it's not there, it does not mean that the poll result is not correct but it it you cannot use the word credible for the poll until we see the methodology and why is the reason for that the reason for that is the methodology allows you understand something called skew and um, exposes a possibility of a bias mm-hmm. um, so for example if i tell you that i pulled on whatsapp Right, and I had 1,000 respondents. Now, 1,000 respondents in almost any poll is a good number, right? If I tell you I polled on WhatsApp, 
the number of people that eat agege bread in Lagos. That number will come very, very, very low. I don't think we'd have up, if I did it, I don't think we'd have up to 15 or 20% of the people responding saying they eat agege bread. Now, can I conclude? Let's assume 15% response says they eat agege bread and they were going, right? Mm-hmm. Can I conclude? Oh, therefore, in Nigeria, 15% of Nigerians eat agege bread and they were going. No, I can't. You know why? My sample size for the poor is skewed. You know why it's skewed? It's skewed to my contacts. And my contacts will very likely be people I know. Which means most of the people on my contacts will be people that are my friends, my circles, my societal class. Exactly, my societal class and all that. I don't think I'm going to have more than 1% of my contacts or two as artisans, for example, or someone that sells meat in the market. So I've excluded them from that pool. And so mm-hmm. the, the credibility of the result of that pool will be called into question. If I go to university now, today, and I pull the number of university students happy with this government, that number will be very, very low because seven months they've been out of school. They are all very upset about it. So what? Nobody, nobody in that condition is going to want to appraise the government that they believe is the reason they are bored at home, idle, suffering mm-hmm. as good. So that poll will not be credible. 80-90% of the students may come up and say this government is the worst. But will I be able to extrapolate that and say I had 25,000 respondents and 22,000 agree this government is really bad? Does that mean... Um, 88% of Nigerians think so. Well, that poll is skewed. The moment I release the methodology, it's skewed. All of this exposes different flaws in our reasoning, different flaws in our biases, and all of these things impact the way we take decisions. Now, if you do not know that you should interrogate these things more, so for example, what we started with, somebody's in a situation where he's exhibiting cognitive dissonance, where he's doing one thing, but he has preached against that thing he's doing. For example, uh, no, let me just that example. Don't put me in trouble. You've preached one thing for the past one year. When it's time to act, you're doing something else. Is he being hypocritical? Is he suffering from false complaints? Those are things that if you do not understand or know where they come from, it becomes near impossible to interpret or interrogate or interact with, especially if you're judgmental. They just jump to a conclusion and move on. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> political season, so much of that is going to happen. So much of that. Somebody's going to say something today and say the opposite tomorrow. Because today, he was talking to people in shirts and suits and ties. Tomorrow, he's talking to wheelbarrow pushers. The day after that, he's talking to women. After that, he's gone to the market to talk to traders. Do you understand? And the person is just seeing the different things that those people want to hear. And he just concludes, why can't he just be straightforward? Why can't he just stick to one thing? Well, it's the nature of politics. Politicians do not stick to one thing. and They are not straightforward. It's naivety expecting it from them. It is, however, our responsibility to understand why they are like that and be able to interrogate them to extract what they truly believe and what they really do. 
I'm getting lots of questions. I, I, huh? From where? Questions. From, hey, from where? From well, WhatsApp. Not ringing, so from WhatsApp and Twitter. Oh. If you want me to. Oh, ask. Okay, ask. All right. Um, so here's a message from Kewe. Kewe has a very long message, and uh, because it's very long, I'm not going to attend to all of it. I'm going to just summarize what you mean. But you're saying, Zeal and Michelle, good evening. Uh, just the questions, he says. Are, are politicians hypocritical or are the citizens not just attentive enough or are we too gullible? That's like three questions. Um, he's also asking, can we say our presenters or OAPs are hypocrites because they can't, <laughs> they can't tell us their true position, sorry, true positions on things. For example, some CNN broadcasters openly say that they're anti-Trump or against his candidacy. But here... Our broadcasters would rather say vote wisely, but they never speak for or against the candidates, even when they know he is not a good choice. I think by the time our politicians start fearing our journalists, broadcasters or media persons will begin to see them for the mediocre and opportunist that they are. That's the question for you, Michelle. What's the question for me? The one you just read. Why are our OAPs like that? You're an OAP. Uh-huh. Why are you like that? Well, I mean, <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I'm not here to. My my job specification doesn't require me to, um, you know, to <laughs> to stamp to approve of any candidate. Not not approve. There's a word for it. Um, endorse. Endorse. I'm not here to endorse candidates. I'm here to give them a platform to share their mandate with you to ask questions to hold them accountable uh to to call them out on things that they do or aren't doing for society that is my job i'm not here to endorse party a party b party c you know it's not that's not my job i don't think oaps or radio stations are hypocritical um reason is if i pay radio if one brand pays the radio station to air their adverts they will. If the competing brand pays the same radio station to air their own advert, guess what? They will. As a matter of fact, they may air them back to back. So you may hear today, brand A is the best in the world. If you eat it, you will never die. And the next second you hear, brand B is the best in the world. If you eat it, you too, you will never... Are they being hypocritical by airing it too? No. That's not the, it's not their job to filter. It's your job as a listener to filter. So, you can listen to an OAP today interview candidate A that's running for State House of Assembly and they seem to like the person. Tomorrow, they're interviewing candidate B running for exactly the same seat and they seem to like the person. I say, oh, the OAP should take a stand. Why? The OAP is not here to take a stand for you. They take a stand on election day like you. But they're giving everybody a platform. It's not being hypocritical. It's just the nature of their jobs. Some may have strong inclinations in a direction or the other and air it or voice it that Michelle supports candidate A for elections does not mean when candidate B comes for an interview she's going to work out. She has to interview the person and as much as is humanly possible she has to be unbiased. And she may agree with a lot of what candidate B is saying and still say I prefer candidate A. It doesn't change anything. The first question was had a lot of questions. I can't remember what okay. all the options, but I think the answer is all of them. 
Okay. Politic- politicians and, pe- and the people yes. are hypocritical. No, no, I, I, don't, I don't want to use the word hypocritical because hypocritical is a judgmental word. I could say they are exhibiting cognitive dissonance. So sometimes somebody is confused. A confused person may appear to be hypocritical because they are saying one thing and doing something else. They are just confused. Some people have enforced compliance. So there are different reasons why it could be. I think it's all of them. The politicians, I expect them to lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I expect them to embellish the truth. I expect them to attribute um, what's the word, achievements to themselves. I expect them to do all that. I also expect the people they are speaking to to check in advance. You should be very knowledgeable. If somebody tells you that I am the one that brought sliced bread to Nigeria, if not for me, all of you will not be eating sliced bread, and the person is 40 years old. Well, I know when sliced bread was invented, I know all that. I know it wasn't you. I know you're lying. You know, I should be able... The ammunition against politicians is information. So, if you do not have the information, you cannot blame anybody. They will try to deceive you. It's their job. All they want from you is your vote. And they will do and say whatever they need to. They are not doing it in your interest. They are doing it for to get your vote. Today here is saying culture is unnecessary and unnecessary, unexplainable peer pressure from dead ancestors. That's how I see it. Uh, no, Tade, you are speaking of tradition. I've, I've read that about tradition. Tradition being peer pressure from dead people. Culture is present continuous uh, in the sense that culture evolves. Tradition in a sense also evolves. But um, hmm. tra- it's harder for tradition yeah. to evolve, much harder because that culture evolves with the people culture is a way of life so culture is alive in the sense that it is what you do now going forward tradition is what was imposed on you and is kind of stagnant and culture gets created tradition hardly so for example um, social media has become culture right um we send messages via social media now. It's now part of our culture to check up on people via social media. 40 years ago, our culture checking up on people was to physically go and look for them. Okay, let's say 20 years ago, it was to call them. 40 years ago, it was to go and visit them. You know? And that culture of checking up on people has changed. Growing up on birthdays, guess what? You got birthday cards. When emails started... The number of birthday cards I got, well, I never got a lot, but the number of birthday cards kind of crashed because people used to send them by email. Today, I don't know when last anybody saw a birthday card because we send all sorts of things via social media. That's mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as tradition. Somebody who insists on sending hard copy birthday cards is following tradition, but culture has, has moved on. They're not quite the same. Very close, but not quite the same. All right, let's go to the phone lines, take some calls, 0809-191-3913, You can call the landline numbers as well on 015151913 You can do that to join the conversation. All right, on Twitter... Um, good evening, Michelle and Zeal. Please, Zeal, is there a correctional mechanism to cognitive dissonance? We'll come back to that. Let's okay. take this call first. Lagos Talks, good evening. 
evening. Welcome. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, my name is Mark. I'm calling from Acha. All right, go ahead, please. Okay, please. Uh, I want to commend you for this topic he brought today. And um, I also want to appeal to him that as a presidential campaign starts a few days from now, I would like him to continue to come up to guide the young generation so that we can be able to make a better choice ourselves. You, you cannot, I'm not asking you to endorse any candidates on our behalf, right? But I'm appealing to you to at least, like you said, something like uh, get an information or an information is a, is a tool to expose the politicians when they come to deceive us. So you can be able to give us the help us with the um, the links. I mean, uh, empower us so that we can be able to have these informations and know what to look after when they come to us because we've been deceived for a very long time. So I really appreciate your effort today. Thank you. All right, thank you for calling. Now back to the question: yeah. Is there a corrective mechanism to cognitive dissonance? Yes, yes. there is. Um, it's all around belief systems. You either <coughs> increase the number of beliefs you hold, reduce the number of important <laughs> beliefs you hold, or change your belief system entirely. But basically, um, be extremely flexible with your belief system. Extremely flexible and. I was saying this to someone. I, I'm not sure I explained it properly then. But I believe a lot of things that are not true. What do you mean? So there are some things, there are some beliefs I have chosen. I know they are not true, but I believe them. Like what? I add them to my belief system. Not like what? Why? Why do I do that? But I want an, I want an example though. The reason I do that... <laughs> is because I understand the power of a belief. Your belief, what every, and we said this two, three weeks ago, everything a human being does, every single can I not swear, thing a human being does is driven by his belief system. And so there are some behaviors of mine that I need to change or I need to adopt. Mm-hmm. And I know that it comes from a belief system. And so I would pick the belief that drives that behavior that I want. And I'll take it. So for example, let me use a, a generic example. Um, I, I don't know. If you believe that exercising every day will make you smarter, right? Mm-hmm. Guess what? And you want to be smarter. What are you going to do? Exercise every day. Of course. Yeah. I'm not really sure exercising every day will make you smarter. But if you want to, if you want to exercise every day and you want to be smarter, that's a belief you can choose. Going to the gym every day will make me a very smart person. Guess what? That becomes your own self-motivation to go to the gym. Whether it is true or not. Mm-hmm. The difference with me is that those beliefs that I have chosen in order to change my behavior that I know are not necessarily true, I don't share them. I'm not going to tell you, oh, dude, let's go to the gym so you can pass your exam. (laughs) I'm not going to say that. But for me, I have chosen many beliefs that drive a behavior. Um, There are some beliefs I have that I don't know whether they are true or not. I really don't have the capacity to, but it drives a behavior. So, for example, in order for me to treat all human beings as equally as possible i have a belief that 
all human beings will come back to the lives they created while alive. I have no capacity to know whether it is true or not. Nobody can prove to me whether it is true or not. But it's a belief I have that the life you create now, after you've gone, you will come back to the garden you planted. And so it changes my behavior around what I plant in my garden. I'm not planting oranges and lemons that have thorns. Let me not come and be lying there to be tricking my nash. So I plant very soft plants because that's the behavior I want. So I pick a belief that drives that behavior. So it is possible to believe something you know is not true because you need that belief system to drive your behavior. Now the problem is when you do not know what's driving your own behavior, you are not able to address it from a belief system perspective, then you're in serious trouble. All right. More messages here. Um, where do we start? Okay, here is a message coming from No Name, but you're saying Nigerians are definitely hypocrites. The same Nigerians who said NSA's protest was peaceful are the same ones saying the students' protest against ASU strike is not peaceful before uh, they are blocking a major road. In both cases, mo- in both cases, movements were restricted. All right. So, so that person, no name, that, that's making that categorical statement, that the same Nigerians that said this, the first question I ask myself in those situations so that I am not judgmental like him, you know what I ask myself? How do I know it's the same Nigerians? I, I, I do not have the capacity to know. A hundred thousand people could have said it then. A hundred thousand people could have said it opposite now does not mean it is the same hundred thousand people. So, I don't know. And once I don't know, then there's no basis to jump to any conclusion. All right. Ooh, sorry about that. Uh, Rufak here is saying, <clears throat> um, Good evening, Zeal. Be trying to get something and hoped you could help out. Um, the story about herd mentality. Herd mentality, okay. Okay, herd mentality also. Okay. Where, where there are monkeys in cage in a cage and wherever a new monkey is put in, whenever a new monkey is put in a cage the others are completed or, or rather compelled sorry to assault the new monkey gradually older monkey inhabitants that started the assaults are, com- are completely but the new do you get the story because nope. i don't want to go further with it um i don't get the story thank you you're saying hope i got the story um sorry i don't get the story um, moving on, here is a message from Onoha from Bega. You're saying, hello, Michelle and Zil. I really would like how, I really like how today's topic was introduced. How do you react to a politician in a party and support that party while saying negative things of other parties? And later that same politician switches over <laughs> to the party that he castigated, claiming that his previous party no longer do what they do, uh, or rather do what he believes in. Majority of our politicians are caught up in this particular web. Do you think they, ge- they are genuine or they're hypocrites? It would be nice to have politicians that are genuine. To also be very naive to look for them. I will not look for a genuine politician. Uh, the same way, I mean, let me give an example that we would all understand. Young guy meets young girl. He likes her. He goes to approach her and toast her. How much genuineness are you looking for he's going to flatter her as much as possible i believe he's going to say a lot of complimentary things whether he if she wears an outfit that he does not like 
and it's the first time they are both going out. I doubt that he will tell her on that first date, this your outfit is horrible. I doubt it. He will do what? He will endure it. It's not my body she's wearing it on. This is how I treat politicians. Looking for honesty in a politician, in my opinion, is naivety. The politician will do his very best to deceive you to get your vote. It is now left to you not to be deceived by arming yourself with information uh, where you have the opportunity to interrogate it. Otherwise, you just test them. But yeah, a lot of politicians in Nigeria have been in multiple political parties. Um, Edo State was a very <laughs> Edo State was a comical one. The two candidates were in two parties in 2015. The two candidates, guess what? Switched parties in 2019. The same two candidates, one was in PDP, the other in APC. In 2019, they switched. The one that was in PDP was now in APC. The one that was in APC. I mean, they do all those things. You know, and I was talking to my older friend um, last week. I know what we're talking about, Michelle. <laughs> Soccer, the English Premier League. Fans generally stay in the same club almost their whole lives. But guess what? The players change. The coaches change. Mm. The people you are supporting in Man U now play for Chelsea. The people in Chelsea now play for Man City. People in Man now they move around. The coach of this club, they move around, earn all their money. You, the fan, are stuck in one club. I mean, we're talking about it because some one of his friends died. I think it was last year or two years ago from a heart attack watching football. And like you're watching football, wow. killing yourself. The people that are being paid for this football are switching from one club to the other once there is more money. The coaches are switching once there is more opportunity. You, the fan, are stuck there. And that's how politics is. The mules that the politicians need are stuck in a party. They are supporting the party. The politicians that are, <laughs> that are taking the decisions and making money from it are skipping today is in this party, tomorrow is in. They are yo-yoing from one party to the other. And then the mules are stuck. stuck. And I'm like... Yeah, you see, that, that's the equivalent. That is why they need a certain caliber of people to be those mules in parties. They need people, they need the key party supporters to be people that do not think. They need it. The moment you are a critical thinker, it's going to be hard for you to aimlessly follow politicians or political parties. It's going to be very hard because it means they have to interact with you on an intellectual level as opposed to an emotional level. If they interact with you on an emotional level, then they can give you food, ewa, cassava, agbado. They can give you whatever. And you're fine with that. If you are thinking, you'll be asking, why are you giving me this thing? How about what's going to happen to me in three weeks or three years? What's going to happen to my children's education? They don't want you to reason like that because they don't have an answer for you. This is where we wrap it up. It's time for us to go. It's about a minute to six o'clock. Sorry, we cannot take more messages. Um, you're sending them very late uh, but um, I'll wrap up with this one saying good evening Zayla Michelle great show as always I asked someone to get me the book Thinking Fast and Slow but I forgot the author what's the name you Thinking the Fast and Slow um, I think Amos Vesky and Daniel Kahneman the two of them yes alright alright Zayla you have any last words to share before you go read the book Thinking Fast and Slow <laughs> alright if you'd like to reach out to Zeal, you can reach out to him on Twitter at Zeal underscore A. That is at Z-E-A-L underscore A. And you can find his book at Robin Heights. It's called It Is Time. Yes. Right? rhbooks.com.ng. 
right. I hope it wasn't too obvious I didn't have anything to discuss today. It's just going to play. It's all right. It's all right. We're happy to you, you know, you're here today.